You getting haircuts and everything? You look pretty groomed. My wife uh, cut my hair. Oh, oh you did a good job. Yeah, she did a great job. I'm, yeah. uh, I got, I'm keeping this hat on because it's, all, yeah. you know. And that's the longest I've ever seen it on you, dude. I cut it short too. Wow. I never grew a beard in L.A., but you know, I'm in Boston now, right? Right, 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 right. That's awesome. A little different here. That's good. It's a good place. Bill Miller returns for part two of our mound visit conversation from last week. In this episode, we talk about coaching hitters in the big leagues, the challenges of developing hitters in the minor leagues, and the obstacles some coaches have in developing big league hitters having never played there themselves. You know, being in the big leagues as a hitting coach, I believe you told me one time, you know, when you were a hitting coach for the Dodgers, that there's certain players that don't need the coaching. It's not necessarily, the hitting coach isn't necessarily instructing hitting as much as being a supporting cast to those hitters in the big leagues because a lot of their growth and development has kind of already happened. And now they just need to know what they're doing different day to day as they go through a season. Is that, does that sum up? Is that, does that kind of characterize my memory? Is my memory right there? <laughs> yeah. You know, what happens is like in, in these 13, 12 guys that you have, there's at different levels and as far as physical uh, levels as and as well as mental levels of where you're teaching them and when you get to like a Yachty or a Molina sometimes it's just the small tweak of a physical thing that you have because everything else is in place mentally and uh, um, most of the time physically and he already knows himself so well this is the part I said earlier about the minor leagues is knowing yourself and as you get older in this league you start to really understand your body movements or your mental makeup and knowing yourself so well that it's less about so much being in the cage day to day and the maintenance as it is just small pieces of seeing a video and a small amount of time in the cage or sometimes it's just a cue word that brings them back to tying their confidence into something physical when they're in the box during the game so yeah there's different aspects there, you know like at the time I think Jeff Kent was there it was more about if I had information, how to beat that pitcher that night. And most of the time he had that already in his mind of how he's going to beat him physically. If he was struggling at the time, you would go back to knowing what makes him successful and, and going back to the pieces of what's, what's off right here and some of his body movements and the pillars of what makes him successful. So yeah. And then a young guy that might be coming up that's had success in the minor leagues but has holes now and he's had a month in the big leagues and now they're exploiting his holes. How do we start bridging that gap to um, lessen those holes that he can start improving? Now that might take a whole year because he's never had to make physical adjustments before, or he've never, he's never had to make mental adjustments before, or he's had to do it most of his life coming up to that point and now the transition might take four weeks. Oh, I can fill that hole. I can now hit that slider down and in. I know how to approach that ball better. I know how to hold my front side. I know how not to break my relationship with my hands. Some of these things that help him improve physically. And then that, 
then his confidence will grow. Sure. There's all that. That's the beauty of being a head coach. You're, you're, the teaching's never done on a daily basis. Sometimes it might be a sprinkle to the veteran. Sometimes it's two hours in the cage with the rookie. Sometimes it's, it's a six year free agent that needs an overhaul that's been struggling. That's been putting too much pressure on himself and needs to, to regress and get back to basics. Yeah. So you know, it's one day to the next after when you walk out of there at 1130 PM and you take a deep breath on your way home and you start reevaluating art, how we are going to approach these guys tomorrow. And that's the beauty of it because it's this constant wheel that continues to roll every single day. It's, it's, uh, it's super unique. And one, you get to know these guys personally. I mean, because you're on a day-to-day basis, sometimes in crisis with these guys, sometimes in an emotional crisis, sometimes it's physical and you get to really know who these guys are. And, uh, you know, it's, it's great because they start to really get to know you and or trust your information. And, uh, that's the fun part of making these guys better. Yeah. I just think there's sometimes I feel like there's a misconception and I'm not saying in the game, because I think baseball people know the value and what a hitting coach does, but just like in the public that, the hitting coach may treat everyone similar. And there's just so many more dynamics in the clubhouse that you wouldn't treat the veteran player or, or coach the veteran player the same way you would coach a, a, a six-year free agent or, a, you know, a third-year guy or something like that. It just depends on the individual, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah, they, because they everyone's at a different level, you know, in, in this game mentally, and people don't understand how uh, there are different mental aspects of different tiers mentally of guys and or physical parts of this and some of the things that are happening in the big leagues too now is they're having guys that are hitting coaches just flip balls and stuff and some guys some organizations bring in outside people to do the physical part of helping these guys make new movements or things like that and then they also have a third party that break down the film of what they're going to see as far as the pitchers and stuff like that, uh, the bullpen, the starters and all that. And which is unfortunate. John and I did all that right. and part is because we gained the respect of these guys because not only are we helping them make physical adjustments and know what physical adjustments to make with their, with their routine in the cage from day to day, month to month, year to year, as well as breaking down and putting in the time at the video of knowing what these guys have, what their approach is, how they're going to attack you individually. And, and then, you know, being at game speed with them. And I think, unfortunately, that's taken away from the hitting coach is, you know, you're not able to do all those things to help these guys. And, you know, when you're hearing three voices one time, sometimes that's difficult. And that's the one thing I never wanted because of these two hitting coaches now is when you hire these two hitting coaches, they have to have the same voice. They have to be on the same page. And I've seen the difference. I've seen it on the other side where one guy said one thing and another guy said another. And these guys in a time of crisis divide and they will go to whoever will rub their back or make them feel good instead of really getting down and dirty and making changes that are going to help them in the long run. And that's the, that's the obstacle that you're faced when, when you bring in three different parties because these guys will divide and conquer with 
you know, who's got the latest and greatest instead of, you know, being in that locker room with one voice of that hitting guy or those two hitting guys to help these guys make uh, adjustments because it's difficult. And it's sometimes these guys mentally get so worn down that uh, they don't know up from down and you just need one voice to help penetrate. Yeah. The other thing is people have different interests too. I mean, you see it where you have team players and you have people that are out for themselves. So you got three people overseeing one area and I'm not saying that it's going to happen every time, but you could always have people vying for the result. They're putters in this game, Chris. That's 100% true. You're always going to have the guy that's going to say, well, I made this guy this, or I helped him with that. Instead of just doing your job and going home and going to bed and waking up and doing it again. And that's the difference, you know, that, but people need to make a name for themselves. You know, I've already made a name for myself. I'm just here to help people get better because that's the fun part of getting that base hit and feeling that feeling of getting that big base hit in the eighth inning or the ninth inning, help your team win or move that runner over so we can win as many ball games as possible and or compete and survive and have a wonderful career as a big leaguer. And yet, sure, there's always going to be guys out there that need to, to tie their themselves to a player. And that's part of it. You know that. But that's yeah. not – a lot of us operate, and or John or myself or Brumley or Pentland. You know, we just went out there and made guys better. You, I, I saw it a lot in the minor leagues. Not so much the backstabbing or – like there was some of that, and I think that may be the job of the farm director to make sure that he's communicating well enough where he's been overseeing the staff well enough to that limit that as much as possible. But – more so you saw it where if a player was promoted from one level to another or one year to another, the hitting coach, you, you very rarely go from rookie ball to the big leagues and have three hitting coaches, you probably have five or six. You saw a lot of times different instruction per level. And at least back then, the communication is probably better today with the amount of technology we have to, but maybe not. I don't know. The last I think still in a flux, <laughs> mad dog, I think. Uh, that's the ultimate goal in an organization that all the hitting coaches on the same page as the major league guy and or the hitting coordinator in the minor leagues, 100%. But it, you, if you go through every organization, I guarantee it. There's so many different levels of what this guy believes or what that, because there is no language, right? Everybody, if you say here, stay back, that means seven different things to seven different people, right. you know, and body movement might be different from, player a to player c to instructor a to instructor c you know so it's so difficult to get that continuity and or unfortunately um you're asking minor league coaches that sometimes have never hunted the animal at the major league level to to teach these guys at the minor league level how to hunt the major league animal when they never even hunted it they never even made they never even hit there which is okay, but then that's they're saying, well, this is what it takes to be successful. And sometimes we're saying, not at the major league level, it doesn't. That's a shelf life. And yeah, you've had successful doing that in the minor leagues, but at the major league level, that's not going to work very long. Yes, it might last two months, but again, there's so much information. They find that hole or holes, and then they exploit it. And then now we're in trouble. So yes, do we want continuity so that that A ball can start breaking down that hole that this this rookie has already, 
and start bring, building that bridge earlier so that when he makes it to the big leagues, there's less holes to fill and or he's more accomplished to be and or survive right out of the gate or get your money's worth out of him right out of the gate, either to keep or to sell for trade and or to be that 25th guy that helps your team win more baseball games. 100%, you want all those guys kind of on the same page, speaking the same language, and that's the struggle. You don't pay the guys in the minor leagues very much, so how are you going to get that quality guy that's been to the big leagues and, and or is that spokesperson that knows what the, the front office is speaking, how to speak it, how to look at it, how to evaluate those numbers, and then help these guys improve? you're just not going to have it because the pay is just so poor and you know, it's, it's difficult. It's, it's a difficult task to have to get all those guys kind of going in the same direction. Yeah. And, and because the pay is so poor and, and, and that's not the only factor, but there's such high turnover in coaches in the minor leagues per organization anyway, that the continuity is, I mean, it's practically impossible. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it to be a hitting coordinator, <laughs> I mean, your real job as a hitting coordinator is to make sure that 15 guys that were in the 15 percentile are, are doing fine. Yeah, there's the 85% that you're like, what do I do now with these 85% guys? Because, you know, I got, how do I reteach what I just taught this hitting coach that just left? You know, now I got to reteach the hitting coach. So now I'm spending so much time on reteaching the hitting coach and less time on the players. You know, it's it's a difficult, very difficult task. This is helping sure. my argument for uh, reducing the minor leagues. By the way, we should sure. consolidate this thing to to be more yeah. of a well-oiled machine. Um, do you think you need that many levels of minor league development in order to get to the big leagues? Yeah, I, I think it's it's sometimes to the effect of have just enough so you can um, be better at what you have than to have this surplus of all the stuff and just be mediocre. Like, do you think if, if you if you cut out a couple of levels and you force players to play up against better competition, maybe earlier than you previously had, do you think that would be a detriment at all, or do you think that'd be do you think that help? It's difficult. It's it, it, it's a it, that's a difficult question because if you have the right teaching, then you can take uh, some risk because now you can and or if you're owned by their organization, you don't have the pressure to win and you you don't have to worry about the numbers and you can just worry about improving that hole or the, improving that body movement or improving that approach. Sure, now it that's all in play. But if you don't then you're, you could ruin a prospect or ruin a player in a sense or set back someone two or a year. So, yeah, it's, that's a difficult thing. If, like, let's just say I have a John Mabry at the AA level and I'm going to move a kid from low A ball up to the AA level and have, have that player be around that person to help him improve, 100% I'm in because I know he's going to help this kid improve that physical hole that he might have at the time or help his approach or mental framework. Sure. But if I don't have that in place, no chance. I got to let this guy go through these step-by-step -step process to help him improve. He's got to go through these ups and downs um, at his speed then to push him. Because 
you're not giving him the proper pieces to put in his back pocket to face the adversity. Now, if you've already sprinkled in those pieces and he's got in his back pocket to, that when he hits that new or that tough adversity coming his way that you've already inscribed what's coming next, now he can handle it better. But when these guys don't know what the next adversity is and they face it, not only the coach can't tell them and or the player doesn't know and you hit it, now you're in deep trouble. I mean, do you have an opinion on why baseball has such a longer development road as opposed to some other sports like, you know, football, you go straight from college, NFL, basketball, maybe a year in college or whatever you can, if you're good enough. But like, is there a reason why baseball takes longer to develop? Well, I think it's the hardest thing in the world, round ball, round bat, right? That's tough. I mean, we would let, I mean, that is just a hard thing to do on a consistent basis against the top people in the world. And so uh, yeah, the, the time frame, and we're just talking that is physical. Now you throw in the mental part of the, of the, the whole thing as far as confidence and or um, approach on what this person's doing to you. You know, we always talk about as we are developing these young guys that are at the big league level, when they start making breakthroughs of being a little bit more uh, successful at a better rate of consistency, we continue to tell them, all right, you're now playing the game. The game isn't playing you. So at the very beginning, when they come up, a lot of the minor leaguers, the game's playing them. You know, they're not, they're just reacting instead of being ahead of the game, knowing what's coming and or setting these guys up. And that's why, you know, like the Maddox and all these guys at our time, Glavins, they were so great because they were setting you up. They were ahead. They were a pitch ahead. They would be like, man, I know how to get you out. But, you know, like sometimes they would say, I don't know how to get you out in a 2-1 count. The 2-1 count, I'm, I'm, I don't know where to, to attack you or, or what pitch to throw you. You know, they thought the game at a different level where, you know, as you're coming up through the minor leagues, you study, you with the bright teaching, you help educate them of what's coming or w what you're going to be up against and how to have solutions for that. Okay, so stay on that topic for a second. You could do that from a hitter standpoint too, set up the pitcher. Because I've heard Manny Ramirez was someone who was skillful enough to do that. Is that does the FB Manny Ramirez do that, or is it like professional hitters can do that regularly? Correct. And professional hitters can do that regularly as long as, you know, they've made the proper steps up into that point, you know, to get to that point mentally yeah. and or because they are confident on being able to sit a pitch and or not be swayed mentally. Like all of a sudden you think the pitcher is going to approach you a certain way and he doesn't. And a lot of times that hits uh, alarms or hits an insecurity mentally to you, so then you fall apart. But, you know, if you have uh, the right mindset or have the right confidence or have the right body movements, then you can hold tight and you can tie your confidence into a certain pitch, even if it takes you to a tough situation, a 3-2 count or an 0-2 count and still be successful. Yeah, that's what makes those guys really good or great or – you are able to survive a long career at the big league level. Yeah, 100%. Did you get that level? I To that point at the very end of my career, yeah. And then that this is what, through all these experiences that I've had, 
um, is what you shed um, to all these minor leaguers or big league guys um, on how or what's next or how to improve or um, what to do in this situation. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's also a hard thing for baseball is just the way it's set up because, you know, because there's so many levels of, of instruction, minor leagues, college, big leagues, um, you get so many coaches, so many voices. There's not enough Bill Millers or other hitting coaches that have that experience at that level. That you Yeah, have remember, on. remember what, what happens too is in the college level, you're, you're, and at the high school level, you're, you're teaching to be successful right here and right now because I want to keep my job, right? right. So you're about uh, really improving this guy. Yeah, you want to improve because you want your program to be successful for that next recruit to come in, right? Blah, blah, blah there. Then in the minor leagues, it's like, all right, um, if he's a top prospect, I want him to continue to hit 300 and or – they may not see the hole or they don't know what's coming next at the big league level of what holes they're going to attack, or even if he has a hole. So they're just going to move him along. Well, he's hit 300, he's hit 300, he's hit 300, where guys with experience be like, great, he's hit 300, but that does not play at the big league level. And that you have to attack that now at eight ball so that he's got three years or two years of, improving that so that when he hits the big league level he can have more of his feet in the ground to have a little bit more success early or he can handle that that big jump that's about to happen and or help him improve upon the hole even more at that level so all these guys have different agendas is what i'm saying is you know and that's okay because everyone's trying to be successful but at our end of it we're like, we're worried about him being successful at the major league level. And if you don't know what the major league level and how to hit the major league level, what animal you're hunting up there, where he sleeps, what he eats, what terrain you're, you're walking in on a daily basis, then how, how are you, you know, you don't know. And the funny saying is you don't know, you don't know. So that's where we're at is we're dealing now with all these different, again tiers of coaching and objectives and selfishness and or success or whatever it is and trying to mold that player now and say all right this is a different animal and this is how we got to start molding you to be successful and or sustainable at this level not through any of the other stuff have you have you uh, met or worked with any coaches who didn't play at the major league level that was pretty good at instructing what is to come, even though they weren't there. So like they didn't have the actual perspective, but they respected it enough and learned enough about the big league perspective that they could teach at a minor league level that, Hey, this is going to cut it up there, even though they weren't there. Uh, some, it, you know, it's, it's still, you don't know what you don't know. So mm -hmm. what we did was we tried to find a guy I know with the Cardinals, and now he's a second hitting coach with San Francisco and he was with uh, Cincinnati last year, but the guys that are intrigued on what we're doing and how we're doing it and, and spring training and watching our success during the season. And if those guys hang around and they ask questions and they're asking the right questions, 100%. If you open the door to us, we will, we will pour on our information and help 
bridge the gap to whatever piece that you think you're missing or want to know better about whether whether it's the physical part of the game or the mental part of the game yeah and this guy's now a second hitting coach with San Francisco Giants and for sure it's all you're trying to do is grow whatever piece it is whether it's a coach or a player and yeah now some people are stuck in their ways and and believe in what they believe but it's a different animal at the big leagues and if you've never been there I would have 100% plugged myself into somebody that that was there to get their perspective or get their information or get their understanding of how to sustain yourself there and or how to teach there sure yeah, because right now the game is flooded with people who haven't played at the big league level, right? Like more than before, even on the coaching side, but also on the scouting side. They may not think it's important. I don't know their philosophy on it. Right, right. But I'm just saying the fact of the matter is like that's that's happening a lot now. I see a lot in, in the scouting world too where – Do you think all- it's more about they want people more like-minded like them so Same they can – they want people more like-minded like them so they can communicate easier. I, yeah, I, I think that's a big part of it, for sure. I think they, when GMs were more evaluators or uh, less worried about numbers, relied on scouts or big leaguers in their system to give a big league perspective of a minor leaguer. I think that was filled, tons of these guys that were big leaguers were filled in the minor leagues before to give their perspective for sure on evaluation and or helping these guys grow mentally or physically. So maybe it's just like-mindedness, you know, and it's maybe as simple as that. I'll tell you a quick story. Do you know Doug Strange at all? No. He played in the big leagues. I don't know him personally. When I was an intern with the Pirates, he was the assistant general manager. You know, we, we go on a road trip. He's going out to Double A Altoona to see the game, and I'm tagging along with him as a front office intern. And I walked into a, a trap, for lack of better terms, where you know he he kind of set me up right as the young intern who thought that hey I'm going to be a scout one day, and you know had all these aspirations to to do so. And I, I've never got grounded so so quickly in my life where. Mm-hmm. You know, he brought me the game. He sat there right next to me. I watched every single pitch. He had about three different, four different conversations on his phone watching the game. We drove home after the game, and he's asking me, uh, so what did you think about the third baseman? Uh, what, was, what was wrong with the uh, second baseman's uh, swing there? Why, why, why he kept popping it up? The point of the story is, like, you, you don't know, you know, like you said, you don't know what you don't know. And it's hard to learn what you can't, you can't learn. You can't, you can't actually get in the batter's box. And that was his point never been in the batter's box how do you know what it's like to be in the batter's box if you haven't been on the mound what it's like to be in the mound I mean he took it to a, a level that like he almost scared me away from wanting to be in baseball operations but you know and I, I obviously learned that like yeah everyone has a, a role you know you, you don't need baseball experience to do what I did with the Dodgers for example or what I'm doing now yeah but, you learn there's many more variables into the game than just stepping into the box and worrying about your launch angle or getting on the toe in the rubber and seeing fastball. There's just, there's so much more in the game than that. And I wish it was that simple. You know, I wish it was, but there's much more going on than just a a number or a piece of paper with numbers, or this is the social game. 
you yeah. know, it's a human game and you need humans that have kind of shouldered a load or are very selfless with a lot of experience to, to help the, I don't know is what I don't know is, you know, you have to start sprinkling that information a little at a time so that they gain confidence, gain your trust to get better. And it's great. It's unfortunate that you went through that experience, but. It was, uh, it was a tough night because I wasn't expecting it. And, and you can tell that, and I understand it. I mean, I, I have a lot of respect for people who played the game, obviously, because I didn't. And I, I never wanted to come across as someone who I wasn't. So I didn't yeah. want to start speaking out of turn or, or talking about something that I had no right talking about or no credentials to do so. So it was a good conversation for me to hear, you know, at the time, because I could have gone maybe down that road where I, you know, may have thought I knew a little bit more than I did. It grounded me. It, it helped me going forward and it put me on a path to, you know, do what I'm doing. And Bad dog. In my perspective, even to this day, when I was coaching in, in the big league level is it, me, even personally, is you never arrive, meaning you're always growing, you're always listening, you're always approaching it um, like uh, I can be better and get better. And that's, that's it for me is, as I try and tell these guys, even if you're in your 10th year, you know, it's, you just never arrive. The game's too big. Uh, it's ever living and breathing animal that will eat you alive at any moment. And uh, it's, that's why you stay on your toes and continue to listen to all ideas, just like this, these numbers, the launch angle, and the way they're looking at it. It's great. It's okay. And it helps, if it helps me communicate with somebody better as far as to improve them as a player or to help their perspective as a front office person or another coach, great. Because we're about trying to get this guy to be the best he can be to help our organization win because we want to win baseball games. That's why, you know, being that hitting coach and, and being in that, in that foxhole with these guys and knowing what they're up against. And sometimes some of those days what they're up against and having those accomplishments on the field sometimes is even greater than, than people know uh, because you know what they're going up against or what have you, but you can just get to know. Uh, it, it's kind of like uh, Ron Modis used to say, you're in the engine room. You know, yeah. and uh, some days we're, as Mabes would say, we're putting bubble gum and band-aids on things that people know nothing about to get these guys out there to, to perform at a high level and, and have great success. And that's the beauty of that. Thanks for listening. Your support is greatly appreciated, so please subscribe, like, and leave a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcast. We will see you next week with another Mound Visit.